Mark Twain said the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The why is hidden in your name. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has created a scientific way of deciphering your name to reveal your contract for this lifetime. And your name even specifies the seven areas that are subsets of your soul's overall goal. Your name identifies who you are to both yourself and others. What does your name say about you? Find out in the book Know the Name, Know the Person, which can be purchased on the website knowthename.com. Welcome to Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality, a show designed to share spiritual insights with you so that you can comprehend the universe and how it functions. You are about to experience raised consciousness. This is a place where spiritual principles are shared with the goal of assisting you to expand your understanding of both the seen and unseen worlds. Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality helps you to discern the timeless truths handed down from wise sages through the ages, from the airy-fairy nonsense that is being taught today. Now, here is your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth. Hi, welcome to Luminescence Common Sense Spirituality. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, creator of Namology Science, the ability to know all about a person's personality and their soul's purpose from a person's name. And you can book a reading with me and order my books at my website, knowthename.com. Now, at the end of every show, we always end it with a beautiful, inspirational song called Shine by D. Lamore. And you can hear more of her music by visiting her at her website, dlamore.com, and it's D-L-E-M-O-R.com. Now, our topic today is what is meant by divine flow? How did you create divine flow? How can understanding divine flow assist you to grow in consciousness? How important is meditation in getting in alignment with divine flow? And how does one amp up the divine flow to get more of it? And how is it connected to animals and our plants? Now, the last part of our show, we'll be taking your calling questions. And so you'll be able to call us anytime after the half hour at 888-627-6008. Again, it's 888-627-6008. Okay, so our guest today is Julie Salen. Now, Julie is an equine communicator, certified life optimization coach, intuitive empath, and mind-body-soul alignment specialist. She's a motivational speaker, writer, and communicator who helps you move into alignment to be the absolute best you can be. She has created a three-step system from the sacred wisdom of horses and combined that with spiritual laws that allow you to live life 100% authentically on your terms with absolutely no limits. She's also the creator of the Brave Academy. Okay, Julie, welcome to Luminescence. So glad to have you back with me again. Thank you, Sharon. It's so good to be here. I'm thrilled to be here with you. So good to talk with you. (laughs) Now, I'm just curious, since the last time we talked, your Brave Academy is something brand new. So talk to us just shortly on that before we get into Divine Flow. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. So I just launched the Brave Academy about uh, two weeks ago, actually. This is perfect timing. I had the um, idea in my head for about five years, and I lived so much of my life in fear, not using my gifts, and really shutting myself down, and so I really wanted to help people move past that and to have them put fear to the curb and bring in how to be brave and how to really make 
the decisions that you're here to make, really to live life at the fullest and it's your fullest mission. So that's what we've created. It's four modules. Each module is a month long, and I, it's all the information is on the website. So I'm thrilled to be able to offer that to everyone. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so your website is your name. And just so that everybody knows how to spell it correctly, Julie is normal. And then the last name is like your sail, like you're sailing a, a boat. And then it's L-A-N-T. So it's S-A-I-L-L-A-N-T. Okay, so that's our website, everybody. Okay, now we want to get into divine flow. What do you mean by divine flow? What is that? How would you define it for us? So I would divine, divine flow is an energetic state of abundance and joy and gratitude and all the wonderful things that you really want to have in your life. And it allows you to connect to your highest and best, most evolved self as well as to spirit and your guides and your ancestors. So it's a place where you can really connect with your highest self, get in alignment, and then that's where everything starts to change in your world here as a human because things start coming to you instead of you trying to make them fit for you. So it's a a place of abundance and love and gratitude. So would you say that that's using more of the pull energy than the push energy? Yes, 100%. 100% so that as you go about your day and as you are in alignment, things start coming towards you that you want to happen versus, you know, when you have to go out and you're struggling and trying to wrestle it to you and it doesn't work and it's so hard, it just makes everything flip and that's when the right stuff comes to you, the right opportunities and right people. Okay, so if I'm in divine flow, then I get that parking spot that I wanted? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's got to be practical applications, right? That's okay. right, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so, Julie, how, do you, how does one create divine flow? If they want that, they decide, okay, yes, I would love to be in divine flow. How do I get there? So, you know, it's not something I created. Divine flow has always been there for each and every one of you. Um, what happens is that you're, I've been shown how to get to it and how to operate in it. And I know we're going to talk about meditating through it, but meditation is really the way into divine flow. Divine flow is within you. And what I always show my clients is what we do very, very simply is we just take deep breaths and connect to your heart. And every time you breathe in, you expand your heart as big as you can. And so when you're connecting in and expanding, and I take it all the way up to the stratosphere, all the way as big as I can up to the sun, and make your heart as big as you can so that when you're connected in, now you can connect into your your heart, your soul, and your mind, and they all link up as one. That's where divine flow lives, within your heart. So it's within you. Okay. So... Okay, now this may seem like a silly question, Julie, but I'm going to get to the bottom of this, right? So mm-hmm. I know that in our heart, our cells and arteries and other things, is divine flow a physical thing or a non-physical thing that rests in our heart? Divine flow is a non-physical thing that rests in your heart. So your heart has all of the, the arteries and the blood and all that stuff, that's that's the human part of it. This is the spiritual, energetic part of your heart that you're connecting through. This is the part that 
the, you know, spirit and your ancestors and your guides and your totem animals and the angels, this is the part where they come through. This is the part that you're meeting. So it's the energetic spiritual part of your heart. That's what you're accessing. It's the beautiful part of you. Okay. <laughs> so that how can sense? understanding divine flow assist us to grow in consciousness? So being in divine flow is a way to make a connection to not only your higher self, but to God, to spirit, the angels. And it's your ability to see more and experience more from that, that higher consciousness of not only your higher consciousness, but the guides that you're actually tapping into. So what happens is, to keep it as simple as possible, is when you connect in, you're at your highest level, okay? You're at your highest and best level and you're meeting all of those guides and they are at, that's where you're able to speak to a spirit, speak to loved ones. If you have that ability, talk to animals or angels that have passed over because that's where you'd be surprised that everybody has a little bit of this in them that they can tap into. And I just show my clients how to tap into it by opening their heart. But that's, that's where all that lives. It's a higher consciousness that you're accessing. And because of that, that's where you're going to get information about your mission. Why am I here? What am I doing? What are my gifts? How do I use my gifts? And what the heck am I doing here? How can I make this world a better place? That's so those it, are the type of things that get answered. So if the key to getting into divine flow is opening the heart, so what would mm-hmm. you say would be the first two steps? Don't have to go through the whole process. Um, mm-hmm. I know that's a whole thing you teach, but what would be for those people that want to start in that direction, what would be their first two steps in opening their heart? So the first two steps are that they must let their guard down. Most people go through their day very guarded. And because we live in a really crazy world right now, no matter where you live or how old you are, or how young you are, most people have their guard up all the time, even with their loved ones. So the first step is to get in a place where you're comfortable and you have peace and quiet around you. And that would be, then you would need to, you know, drop all of your guards. And you'd be surprised if you sit down and close your eyes and you said, okay, I'm just going to picture angels around me and I'm going to drop my guard. You'd be surprised how much you'll realize, oh my goodness, I had a lot more guard up than I thought I did. I might not have even realized it. So that's the first step so that you can connect in. And then after you lower your guard and you've opened your heart, then it's about calling in and asking for your highest and best spirit guides to come forward and to connect with you. And people make it really hard. It's just really simple. You simply have to ask the question. I say like Archangel Michael, please be with me now. And What most people don't know is that you need to ask them to actually be with you because otherwise the laws that they rule with, that they roll with, they can't come in and actually help you unless you actually give them permission. So right now, Sharon, they're around you, but if you wanted, say, an angel to come through, you'd have to say, okay, Archangel Michael, please be with me now. That gives him permission to now help you and be with you on this journey that you'd have. So those are the first two steps. Great. So... Isn't that kind of like that old saying, ask and you shall receive, but don't ask, you don't get? Yes, absolutely. That's what it's all about. You're opening yourself up to a different frequency, to a higher consciousness, 
and you yourself are pulling from your highest and best consciousness and all your power, and that's where, when all of that meets, that's where you get that divine joy and gratitude, and it's a calmness that comes over you, and it's just the most wonderful feeling. Once you tap into it, you never want to stop doing it because you get information, and you and it's just so calming and relaxing, and it just helps you move forward with grace and ease. Okay, so in this whole system, first of all, as you were talking about dropping your guard, I was so glad that you said, and some people don't even realize how much their guard is up, because I was just Mm -hmm. thinking, I don't think I walk around with my guard up, and then I thought, maybe I'm doing it so subconsciously, I don't even notice it. You are. We We all are. We all do it. I only know more because this is what I do for a living, and this is how I work with people. But, you know, think about it. You're, you know, in the grocery store and you get cut off. You're driving and somebody cuts in front of you and you're angry. And we are always trying to protect ourselves, right? We protect those that we love. We protect ourselves. And a lot of it's subconscious. We don't even realize. I don't think a lot of us realize how much we're blocking versus letting things in. Because there's a lot of stuff we don't want to let in, which I understand. But when you're trying to connect in on this level, you want you want all of it to come towards you because only the, there's only love up there. This is, you have to remember, this is a different dimension. This is not earth, right? So you're at a high dimension with angelic beings where there's only love. There's only joy. There's only gratitude. There is not, there's no strife. So to connect in with that as a human being on this level is just makes you feel so love like a child. That's the best way I can put it. Like getting a hug from your mom or your dad when you were younger. That's just the only way I can kind of give that to people, but that's what it feels like. Okay, so I have another question with this, Julie, and that is, for an example, there's a lot of people I know, and I always wish there was more people that knew how to do this, but that we feel like we're constantly divinely protected, that we're walking all of our days, and we are protected because when we do our best, God does the rest, and we're doing our best, so... You know, we, we feel good about that. So this is really interesting to me, especially because we all want more flow in our life. That's what Julie's calling divine flow. We want things to happen more naturally and right, just like getting that parking spot. I mean, when I enter a parking lot, I always think, okay, angels, the parking angels, this is your job. Do your stuff. I love it. And then you just assume you're going to get a great parking spot, <laughs> you know, and I know what they say about assuming but I think that when we expect a great parking lot or a great parking spot, that's when we get it. And so um, I think that's really important. Also in divine flow, I think when you Sorry live your that. life and you put God first, it makes it easier to have divine flow than if you're putting all of your problems first. There was a, in my sophomore year of college, there was, I was going to these ministerial things done by another student. And one of the things he said that I will always remember is that so much of our lives we have backwards. So like one of the things that he said we have backwards, and this is the one that stuck with me, is that instead of saying, hey, God, look at my problems, instead you say, hey, problems, have you seen my God? <laughs> you know, you don't have a chance. Wow. So, wow. so that to me is being in divine flow. So the question I asked right when we lost you, Julie, was, would those people who believe that they're protected all the time, like I always believe if we're doing our best, God does the rest, I'm protected. 
you know. Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. we going to have yep. just as many shields up as everybody else because we're really protecting the personality and not the rest of us? You'll have just as many. You might even have more because even if you think that you're protected, a lot of times people still want to take the extra precaution. In other words, well, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry, that type of thing, right? Okay. <laughs> so I okay. would say that that doesn't really in my experience, that doesn't really matter. I always feel as though I'm, I know I'm protected. I know I'm very, very highly protected because of the work I do. But sometimes I feel as though I get the answer to the question is, I think people always want the extra. So I don't think that there's like a sliding scale, if that makes sense. I don't feel okay. as though <laughs> you've got more and this person's got less because you have a, a belief system. And, you know, I be, we're all protected in a sense, the angels will protect you in certain dire, you know, straits. If it's not your exit point, they will come in and they will help you and they do miraculous things. But there are a lot of times where people think they're protected and they're not nearly as protected as they think they are. So it just depends on your consciousness. It depends on your walk. It depends on the work that you've done because some people like we've done a lot of work on ourselves in this realm, right? This is what I do. So I do it really frequently, but there are others that are just beginning to understand it. So they are protected, but it's, it's, it's kind of like not a blanket statement for all. It's, it's kind of hard to to say, yes, everybody's got it. Everybody's got to some degree, but to the degree, it depends on the person. Does that make sense? Got it. Yeah. I thank you for Mm -hmm. your input on that. So, how important yeah. is meditation and getting in alignment with divine flow? How are they connected? Huge. Meditation is the way in. If you think of it this way, meditation is the access code to the experience of living in divine flow. Without meditation, it's very difficult to get into divine flow because it's within you. So meditation, and you know, I have to put this out there. I am not one of those people, like you think of someone who's a yogi who you know, sits with their legs crossed and, you know, they just, "Mm," and I'm not that person. I have such a busy mind. So I need music and certain music will help bring me to exactly where I want to be very quickly. Um, So there are tools involved and that's what I teach a lot of people because a lot of people don't, don't understand why it's not working. And they're just sitting there and they say, Oh, I have such a busy mind. I'm like, yes, me too. I know a way around that, but um, it's all about, an access code that you're kind of given and meditation is without it. I don't know how to get there. I I honestly don't because you need to get quiet and you need to quiet your mind. And especially if you have a busy mind, you need to calm that down. And that's why music helps me soothing music and everyone's different. You could just listen to waves if you wanted to. Um, And then from there you go within because it's all from within, not outside of yourself. Ram Das wrote a really great book, and it really goes through 365 different ways of meditating. And half of them are quiet when you're sitting, and half half of them are active. Because he says some people just cannot sit still. So that if you're running, and you're listening to just music or waves or whatever, and you're running, that your body's busy, and therefore your mind starts to be able to drift, and therefore you go naturally into a form of meditation. And he also gives one, he says, just let the ironing pile up and then just do the ironing in silence. And again, the mind gets busy or dishes, the mind gets busy and then you're 
you go into this divine flow or this meditation. So I've done different techniques. I really like the Monroe technique. I like Eugene Whitworth's technique. I start off with TM. But I think it's okay to vary. This is for everybody listening. It's okay to vary your way of meditating. But the way I like to look at it is God gives us 24 hours a day. Can we give him back a half an hour a day? We're still 23 and a half hours ahead. Exactly. 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 And I love that you said that because everyone's different and everyone's mind works differently. So it's not, you know, cookie cutter, right? What works for me may not work for you. And that's perfectly okay. People put so much pressure on themselves like, oh, I have to do it like so-and-so. Just do it the way it works for you. But I'll tell you something you touched on is very important, Sharon. When I run, and I'm not the greatest runner, I just, you know, do my little half hour. That's what I'm up to and I'm good with it. Um, it's really interesting because as I get going and your body's moving, that's when I can also connect in with my guides. They come through with all these downloads and I'm like, wait, I don't have a pen and paper, wait. So yes, they can come in at any time, but when your body's busy, that kind of gives your mind a little chance to rest or just kind of flow a little bit, like you were saying with the ironing and they come, they can come through then as well. So it is all about what works for you. There's no set standard way. Whatever works for you is the right way for you. And it can be, like you said, a couple different ways. I love that you said that. Yeah. Well, I done over, I started meditating when I was 18. So it's been a long time. I've been meditating. If you think about it, it's now been 50 years. And so um, that's a long time to meditate. Oh, you're and way ahead of me. me. What you've got way more experience. <laughs> this is awesome. Well, this is awesome. I'm just a lot so do you connect in you with do. your heart, Sharon? <laughs> Do you you connect in with your heart? How do you go in to meditate? Well, it depends. Like this weekend, I'm teaching a Monroe um, weekend on meditation. So we'll be meditating the entire weekend through the Monroe technique. I happen to utilize a technique that I learned from Eugene Whitworth, Dr. Eugene Whitworth, who wrote Nine Faces of Christ. And I was doing the Monroe weekend, the, the gateway program, or I've done a lot of Monroe programs. And I was tapping in in that way, like Robert Monroe taught, because I've tried different ways and that seems to work the best for me. And then okay. um, Dr. Whitworth challenged me and he said, how do you feel about meditation? And I said, it's drudgery, but I do it every day because God wow. gives us 24 hours and I'm willing to give a half an hour back because this is what we've been asked to do. And I said, but it's drudgery. And I feel I set the alarm. And that is the longest half hour of my day. It just feels like it's forever. So he said, Sharon, come down and work with me. And I'll give you a special deal on my time. And let me give you individual lessons on how to meditate. And the very first day, he took me into this quiet room. And the clock was way up high. You would have had to get a ladder to reach it. The clock was up there. And he says, okay, now I'm going to walk you down and just listen to my voice and follow along. And he did that. And then he was, the next thing I remember, he was bringing me back out. And I thought, well, shoot, you only had me down there five minutes. Are we going to be practice going in and out? What's the deal? You know, this is my mental <laughs> mind thinking. And I looked at the clock and I'd been gone an hour. Yes. And I thought, now that's the meditation I want to learn how to do because an hour seemed like five minutes and that half an hour that I was doing seemed like forever. Oh, especially when I was doing TM, it just seemed like, Oh my God, I'm I'm sitting here 24 hours of the day doing this meditation. That's what it felt like. 
So I never stopped me because I wanted the benefits of meditation. But so I do, Dr. Eugene Wetworth's technique, and you connect with every cell in your body as you go through doing his process. I am so glad that you did that, and I'm so glad that you mentioned this because I can go, I go in for hours. When I meet with clients, I'm getting downloads for you from your guides, from not mine, yours, your ancestors, right? Your, your spirit, your, um, whatever they want to say to me for you. So I go in every day for hours at a time. And it's true when you're in, when you're in, it feels like five minutes, but I, I take pages and pages of notes. That's why I have so many notebooks to, to, um, you know, teach from, but doing it that way, that right way, whatever works for you, it can be hours for me. And then also I can just connect in within a second because it's like a muscle. You have to practice. And once you get it, you get it. But I'm very happy that you said that because the truth is that that the first way, which you thought, oh my goodness, 30 minutes is torturous. But when you're doing it the right way, it's so different. It's a completely different experience. And the realms are, they have their own timeline. Energy is energy, and it's fluid, and it's not like our time here is different than theirs. So I'm just really glad that you found a way that works for you, and that's that's amazing because that's what and it's you about because then you can tap in. And what's really cool, Julie, is I've tried and done so many different ways of meditation that it's in your name of process or way that will work well for you to get started if you're not a meditator. The, the way to start is sitting there in your name. And then, of course, wow. you can adapt it or jiggle it or, you know, whatever. But wow. it's literally sitting in your name. Oh, that is so cool. And, and if, if any, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of you, you follow Sharon so closely. And um, she's been gracious enough to have me on a couple of times. But I had a reading with my name. And if you have never, let me just say, she's amazing. And, and you really need to have one done because the things that she pulled out, of my name, I was like, oh my goodness, I couldn't even believe it. I tell everyone about you, Sharon, because it's just, oh, it's so thank amazing. You, Julie. But the, the same thing, you want to talk with your animals and everything? Call Julie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so talk to us here for Julie. How is divine flow connected to animals and our plants? Well, you know what? Divine flow is within us, which means it's all around us, which means the creator, and that means whatever you believe, this has been around since the creator. And what I have found is that all of the animals, all of the plants, we're all connected. Everything you do, which I know everyone says that, oh, we're all connected, but I have really had a big awakening on that just within the last couple of weeks about the things that I would do with someone or by myself and how much it affects others. Everything has a reaction. So when you're in divine flow, all of the creatures, all of the plants, everything that you that's breathing and living is connected in because everything has a consciousness. Trees have consciousness. Animals have consciousness. Whether you believe it or not, they, they all show up in the realms when you meditate. So we are all connected. And that's how information, we can send information to each other. That's the beautiful part of it. Sometimes I get asked something and a lot of times I'm asking and they're telling, right? That's where the downloads come in. But you'd be surprised because working with horses especially, I will go to the barn and I can literally start, you know, meditating, being in divine flow and the horses will just come around me 
they just start coming right towards me, and then they just sit there with their eyes closed and listen to me. So there, I was told this is the this is the oldest language, like light language. It's all connected, and that's speaking in tongues. It's all connected. So there's a consciousness there that we can all access. So every time you talk to your plants, they hear it and they feel it. Same thing with animals, and same thing with people. We're all connected in. So that's why it's actually really beautiful, because when you're meditating, you're connected, and that's why you feel so much love. That's what I feel well, anyway. What I always found, like, is that if I was traveling or if I was at somebody else's house, my animals always knew to come around me when I started meditation. It was the same time. It was kind of like part of the routine of the day. But if I was at somebody else's house, I would start and there'd be no animals around me. But by the time I came back out through meditation, I would have whatever animals they had. They'd be in my lap. They'd be next to me. They'd be curled up. I mean, I think they're just attracted to it, you know. They are because it's beautiful energy, and that's their baseline is that beautiful energy. Remember, they don't have the guards that we have. Animals are much more adept at reading humans and mirroring them and helping them with their negative energy. They do it naturally. We're the ones that get stuck in our head because we have this consciousness thing going on all in this you know, internal chatter. They don't have that. So they are always around, and they're always supportive whenever I'm meditating. And sometimes, you know, my cats would be kind of rubbing me with their tail or something. And it's just beautiful the way, the way they support us. But they're always around. It's very interesting. Um, and they love the vibe, right? They like that calm, loving, supportive vibe. And that's what you're actually tapping into. Well, I think, really too, neat. that if you're a regular meditator, babies can feel it. Like when you're in a restaurant, the babies will start watching you. You know, their eyes will mm-hmm. go, oh, there's one over there. And I think the difference is the meditative energy quiets our energy versus it being rambunctious or chaotic. And so yes. I've just watched how the babies will watch, you know, and they will pick yes. their person. And then they just watch that person as long as they can while they're, you know, at the restaurant in their high chairs. Yes. So, yes, I believe it. Absolutely. Because they're responding to the energy. And remember, a lot of people are reacting, constantly reacting to stimuli or what's in their field, right? They're always kind of like, oh boy, I bought a, you know, swerve and bob and predict myself. And, and if you're going in the opposite direction and you've got calmness and peace, I'm sure we've all known those people that kind of exude that, that's, that's the benefit of quieting the mind and then quieting the body and then the whole your whole field becomes that loving gratitude joyous place and again like you're saying with the babies that's exactly what happens with what you'd like to happen in your life it comes towards you because now you're in alignment and now you're attracting the right things that are perfect for you because you're synced in to exactly where you're supposed to be versus reacting to other stimuli and then you don't even know well what do I do next and a lot of it's unconscious, right? We don't even know we're doing it. It just happens. It's well, just I always say that's behavior. when you get to become, instead of reacting, which means you're the caboose, instead you get to become the engine. Okay, so everybody, 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008. If you have a question for Julie, and know too, you can ask about your animals, your plants, Divine Flow, what's on your mind. And we will be right back after this 30-second commercial. Stay tuned. 
How many different ways have you attempted to understand yourself or your partner on a deeper level? You have most likely heard of the Myers-Briggs test, looked up your astrological sign, or read the five love languages and utilized something like this checking in to see if you're compatible with your partner or someone else. This is irresistible, isn't it? Assessments and quizzes have almost become an obsession to see if we can better comprehend our pasts and also predict our futures, especially when it comes to love. The truth is, we all want to understand ourselves and our partners better, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Most people don't even think about their name as having any significance beyond what they are called and are unaware of the wealth of information their name holds. But your name is actually an incredibly powerful tool that can be used to understand yourself and others better. Sharon Lynn Wyeth has dedicated her life to studying names. A reading with her will assist you in knowing the other people in your life better by knowing what is important to them and how to connect on a deeper level. Book a reading today with her on www.knowthename.com for your stunning name review. Okay, so welcome back to Luminescence, Common Sense Spirituality. You're with Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and our special guest today is Julie Salent. Now, her website is Julie, spelled the normal way, J-U-L-I-E, and her last name is spelled S-A-I-L-L-A-N-T. Again, it's like you're sailing someplace on the nice, calm blue seas, S-A-I-L, and then L-A-N-T. There's that double L there in the middle. I think that's where most people, if they were going to hear it, would misspell it. So I just want to remind you that it's with a double L. So that's her website. Now, Julie, we had a a message text to me, a question text to me. And again, you can call in. If you know my number off the website, you can text me also with questions. But you can call in at 888-627-6008 with your question. And the first one question text question to me, Julie, was, is there a difference when you're speaking with animals between speaking with hamsters, gerbils, birds, dogs, cats, horses? Is there a different way you're communicating with each animal, or does it all kind of much feel the same, and are all their languages the same or different? That's a great question. That's an awesome question. So the way that, um, okay, so I will tell you that each animal has their own voice, just like humans do. They have their own sound. Some speak really high, some speak really low. Some are fast, some are slow. And animals connect with me with their voice, but also they send me pictures. So it really is just like you and I having a conversation. Um, it's not different because it's one actual, um, how do I say this? It's, it's one stream of consciousness that I basically tap into. So what it looks like is I have a picture of the animal in my head and then I see quite a few animals and then once I find the right one, then that one gets kind of, uh, the picture gets brighter and bigger in front of me and then I connect in. They all speak differently. They all have different things to say, but they're all on different wavelengths. So in other words, the horses speak on a different wavelength than say your cat, but there is one universal consciousness wavelength that they all can use. So they have both. They have both. So in other words, 
um, I was able to speak to the horses that were involved in the Canada riots the other day, which was very bad for them because they were being asked to do things that they didn't want to do. And they felt very bad about it. So I was able to speak to them individually as well as collectively all together because they have the universal for all the horses and I can reach you anywhere in the world. And then the singular ones for just the, you know, if I wanted me to talk to just one at a time. So it's both. Okay. So now I'm curious, if you were talking to the animals that were in Canada, were you able to say anything to them that caused them to be more at peace with what they were being asked to do? Oh, absolutely. That's why I went in. Absolutely. So I told them that they felt very bad about hurting people and they didn't have a choice and they didn't want to do it. And they, I told them, this is on the humans. This is not on you. And they said they, they just didn't want to do it and they felt terrible about it. And um, it was weighing very heavy on them. Horses are very sensitive, very big, but very sensitive and very smart. They have the brain of a nine-year-old. So I told them that you did your job and things happened, but it wasn't your fault. So I am going to ask you to release anything that's holding you hostage anywhere where you're saying to you. I talk to them like a human because they're very smart. So you know, and they'll say, I felt so bad. I didn't want to hurt that person. And I did because I didn't have a choice. I couldn't get out of it. And I said, you did what you were asked to do. This is your job. You didn't want to, but you did. But the blame is not on you. So I was able to take away, then they asked me, is it going to happen again? And I would say, I, I don't know, but we're trying to have it not happen again. We're trying to make this just an isolated incident. So I am able to go in a lot of times and talk to animals that are in distress and calm them down and tell them what's going on because a lot of times they just need to know the answers to the questions. Okay, so that's great. a lot of times what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so a, it's a so wonderful, just, amazing gift. And I'm very lucky to be able to do it because it really helps the animals and the humans talk to each other better and just give them peace and well, messages. I, I was listening to, to something just the other day it was a, a fairly well-known medium and he was saying he was on an interview with coast to coast and he was saying that when you get to heaven the animals talk to humans and the humans talk to animals just like we talk to each other that there is not yeah. a difference in languaging and he says i don't know if i want to talk to my cat like that <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we're doing that already down here so I just want to say, Diane, that was your question that we answered first time around. Now we have an, a question from Carmen. And Carmen wants to know if when a cat, she has like five cats, and she wants to know oh, okay. when one of the cats starts peeing and is no longer being cooperative with the other cats, what generally is going on? She says they all kind of take their turn. You know, they're four or five and one starts peeing. And then when she gets that one back to normal, the next one starts peeing. What's going on? Hmm. Well, the first thing I would say is that they're acting out. So with all those cats, I don't know how much attention they're getting individually. It may not be enough. Cats seem to need, a, I, and I have two, I've always had cats, and they are, obviously they're independent. But when they want you, they want you. They may be doing this as a form of, I really would like to be seen and heard as a singular cat versus part of the collective. 
So the first thing I would do is start paying attention to them uh, singularly first and talking to them and really shining some lots of love and attention and just asking them, how are you feeling today? Is everything okay? What can I do for you? Ask them these questions. What's bo- is anything bothering you? You'd be surprised if you're with them every day. You might, you know, let your guard down. You might start to get some answers. But that's the first thing I would say is that they're actually wanting more attention. They're not being seen in, as individuals. And then the second thing would be that there may be something around, uh, they're showing me, um, there's, there's something that's lacking. I don't know if it's, if it's diet. I don't know if they're sharing too much of a litter box and they need another extra litter box. There's something that's not working for them, and they're trying to show the humans, hey, this is not working. We need help in this area. In other words, if I have two cats, I might have two boxes, right? If they have one box, that might not be enough. If she's got five and she's got maybe three boxes, you might want to add another one. So it's things like that where they may be trying to shine a light and say, hey, you know what? Something's not working for us. And with the peeing, that's why I'm thinking, okay, what's the litter box situation? And is it kept really clean all the time? And because those are very important to them. So okay. I would, those are the two things I would look at. One more attention well, individually and then the litter box situation piggybacking off of your giving more attention individually when she when she wrote on her text that she that one would pee and the other four would be fine and then if she would get that one back to normal then one other one would start peeing so in other words four were always fine and one wasn't maybe she only has mm-hmm. enough time for four so one's always being left that's, out what do you- that's yes that's what i was getting that's what I was getting, Sharon. You're spot on. So that's what I was saying. Well, how much attention are they getting individually? Because individually. she just might not have the time. That's a lot of cats, right? I understand. You have to work and you have a busy life. But that's kind of what I was getting. So they're going to act out because they want that interaction. And sometimes that's the only way that they can do it. Now, there is one other area. There's one other thought to this. Um, okay. If, if there is a volatile... Uh, relationship in the house between the humans, and that could just be stress. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm just talking about a very stressful job and, you know, you're tired and you don't have time for yourself, let alone anything else. Um, This is a lot of times where the animals try to intervene and try to help. And what they do is they'll do something like this to break your mood. In other words, if you're in a bad mood or, you know, you're just beating yourself up, stressed out, you don't have enough time to do this or do that, and you're getting down on yourself, they may do something like this only so that even if you get mad at them, it's breaking the mood where you're kind of either being down on yourself or something negative is happening. It's a pattern interrupt is what I'm trying to say. And nobody, a lot of times people don't realize this, but they do this on purpose just to be like, okay, everything's okay. Let me have you focus on this. You have to clean this up. I know it's a pain in the neck, but guess what? You're not doing what you were doing before. In other words, if somebody's going to go down the rabbit hole, you know, of, you know, beating themselves up and it wouldn't be fun, they'll do things like this sometimes to help the human. It's not out of the realm. I've seen it quite a few times. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, so Mm -hmm. Jack wrote in, and I want to make sure we have enough time to get his thing. He says that his wife's horse that she's loved dearly and is tended to and babied and everything else. She left for a week vacation. She came back and within a week, the horse threw her 
and the way she fell, she's now a paraplegic. Is there any insight? They don't know whether to keep the animal and keep loving it, and the animal has remorse, or whether the animal did it on purpose because she left for a week. And, you know, she told the animal she was leaving for a week, according to his text. Um, so he's like, why would this animal do this to my wife when she was so good to this horse? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, no animal, no horse would do this on purpose. No, None of them would ever do this on purpose, unless they were in such a dire situation where they had no other choice but to, to do this. This is not what I'm getting. So the whole thought, his thought around, well, how, you know, was this on purpose because she left? No, absolutely not. Mistake, accidents do happen with horses very, very quickly. Um, I would really have to go in and, and ask and find out why. But what I'm getting very quickly is that uh, whatever happened, wherever she went, she came back changed. So something, she picked up something, something was different about her. And the horse was not on board with it. And it could have been something negative in the energetic spiritual world that she picked up. I don't, I don't know, but there was something that made that horse afraid and nervous. And the horse would never want to hurt her on purpose, for sure. Um, but this is a bit of a different situation. And since it's such a big injury that's life-changing, I have to go in and find out why. But what I'm getting is that she came back with something that made that horse extremely unhappy or unsure of himself and to the point where it was too much of an overload and the horse wanted to run away. And what happened was she got thrown and then the horse was, the horse was trying to get away from whatever she's got carrying. You have to understand. So to everyone out there, especially if you're working in the spiritual field, Sometimes people go and do things where they attract dark energies. And I'm not saying this is the case with her, but it's a possibility. And when they, when you bring that back to an animal, the animal reacts. Something was different about her. I know this for a fact. That's what they're showing so maybe me. Something she was different about something. her when she got back on that horse. Something. So something, she could have picked up something even at the airport or on the airplane. Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's what the horse was reacting to. Not her what was attached to her. And she probably didn't even know it was there. A lot of times people don't realize it, but the horses do. They can see it. They can feel it. And I guarantee you, if I asked before she got on, that horse was definitely not acting normal. Definitely not. And he was probably trying to give her signs like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do this right now. This is not a good time to ride. We should not be riding right now because if that's just what I'm feeling. But to, well, but to say that a horse would do it on purpose is never the case. Never, never the, case. the case. So, Jack, I never. hope that helps you. I know that you, you texted me earlier today with this question and said that you were going to be listening to the show later. So I certainly hope that that helps you with understanding so that you're not upset with the horse, especially since now you're getting to care for both your wife and the horse, you know, and, and maybe that'll make yeah. that go easier for you. So, Julie, Yes, and I'd love to again. help out if I could because... Um, there's a lot there that I could unpack and I, I, I am an animal communicator and I can give a lot of information from the horse to you. So, you know, if that's something that resonates with you and you want answers, just reach out to me because I'd love to really 
give you those answers from straight from the horse's mouth, so to say. So <laughs> well, I love that saying, straight mind. from the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. so, so, Julie, tell us again what you're up to and about this new Brave Academy and what it is that you offer and why people come to you so that everybody's reminded. Because so, you have such a gentle spirit with when you know when you're talking with those animals and everything. It's just lovely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, so the Brave Academy is what we just launched. It is four modules. Each module is a month long and you can buy all four or you can just purchase one. It's up to you. But what we're doing is I'm covering foundational how to meditate, how to get into your, what you truly want out of your life, what your gifts are and what your mission is. And also what's really important is how to maneuver and change gears quickly when things aren't working for you. So it's about holding your frame when difficulties arise. And let me just say, you don't have to be a coach. You don't have to be spiritual. This also works for leaders and entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out and understand discernment to attract the right clients instead of just any client to their business. So it's I'm very excited about it. Everything's on the website. Just click the Brave Academy um, tab and there's an application form there. I teach it with a colleague and we're very excited about it. And um, it's all about living without fear, right? Letting that fear just, it's non-existent and you can move through life and accomplish everything that you really want to do because we're all here to make the world a better place. So um, yes, I'm thrilled with that. And I'm also working with private clients as well, obviously. So, and for animals too. So I'm doing a bit of all three, but it's right in my wheelhouse and it's everything I love talking to animals. Also animals that have crossed over. I talk to animals that are, are um, they're actually already in heaven and they're with spirit and I get a lot of answers from them and that really helps people with closure and messages of love. So I am thrilled. Thank you so much for having me and, and uh, just letting me let people know what, what we're up to because it's pretty insanely awesome. <laughs> well, I just think what you do is awesome, Julie. That's why I would like to have you back on the show. So again, Julie's website is her name. Julie is spelled the normal way, and the last name is S, like sail, like you're going to go go for a ride on a boat, S-A-I-L-L-A-N-T. So um, anyway, I am so pleased that you are with us, and thank you so very, very much. As you ones know, we always end our show with the wonderful song Shine by Dee Lamour. D-L-E-M-O-R is where you can find more of her stuff. Next week, we're doing something different. Sherry Anshar is going to be back with me, and we're just doing a call-in show. We're not really talking about anything. Um, it's literally, what would you like to know? Do you want your name interpreted? Do you know, want to know how to improve a relationship? Do you have a question on something that one of the guests have said? Do you have a question for Sherry? She was a regular all last year. She came on six times last year. Do you have anything for her that you'd like to ask? Um, especially because she's really into um, working with the cells and the cellular structure of the body and also communicating with what she calls the extraterrestrials, or she calls them a different name, but that's what we call them. Um, and so next Monday is a simply call-in show. So any question that Sherry or I could answer, and Sherry helped with the last chapter in the upcoming book, Know the Name, Know the Health. And so that'll be exciting, too. You can call in and ask about health issues because, you know, Sherry's an intuitive, uh, medical intuitive. 
So that will be an exciting show next week. And as it is now, Julie, thank you again for coming on the show. Always appreciate you being here. And again, Julie's you, website Cheryl. is her. Oh, you're welcome. Julie's website is her name, Julie, J-U-L-I-E. And her last name is S-A-I-L-L-A-N-T. And this is Sharon Lynn Wyatt signing off. Stop.